Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Today, of course, we are absolutely delighted to have Gabriella Herstick uh, with Inner Witch, A Modern Guide to the Ancient Craft. Gabriella Herstick is a witch, writer, fashion alchemist, and insanely cool. Um, I love the way she embraces glamour and power, the power of aesthetics, and I love her super accessible tone. Um, she has been published all over the place, and ID, Broadly, The Numinous, Hello Giggles, um, but I knew her best from Nylon's Ask a Witch, and now you can ask your witch live. Um, the book has been very widely praised, um, so right now, I thought maybe we could all collectively focus our energy as I wash the author in her own praise. This book has been called Profound, Complex, Refreshing, Practical, Magical, Necessary, Vital, Ancient, Current, Deep, Fun, accessible, eclectic, potent, brilliant, a gem, warm, loving, engaging, inclusive, mesmerizing, and truly sacred. Let's please give her a warm round of applause. Hi, guys. Oh, my God. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm so excited, and I'm going to read to you and let you ask me questions. And if you have any requests for stuff to read, I can do that, too. Um, but first, I wanted to take a second, like lead you, everybody through like a little guided meditation, real short, to get us in our bodies because it's stressful out there. So, everybody, take a comfortable seat, close your eyes, just start to connect to your breath, feeling where you're supported in your chair, letting the stress of the day melt away, and we're gonna take a deep breath in. And then let it out with any sound. And we're going to do that again. In through the nose. Out through the mouth with sound. Just start to feel where your heart is in your chest. Sending her a little love. Breathing into her. Thank you all for being here. Thank yourself for being here. You made it. You survived. And just, if there's anywhere you're holding tension, send some breath there. You can imagine a golden light coming from the cosmos, moving down your body and washing any tension away. And as you're exhaling, imagining any gross things you've been holding on to just melting away, moving out through your breath, through your exhale. <sighs> Taking one last deep breath in. And out. And slowly opening your eyes when you're ready. Ooh, totally missed the mic there. Okay, thank you guys for being here. Hope you're feeling a little bit better. Um, I'm gonna read some random stuff. Um, yeah, thank you guys for the support. Uh, this book came out like two weeks ago, which is really weird. It's been a process to write. Um, a journey, I should say. It was. I can't believe that I got to like stand here and talk about witchcraft when like thousands of people have died for this label. So it's really a privilege, and I just want to thank the witches that have come before me to let me be here and let me share this with you. So yeah, we're gonna start at the beginning. Okay. Thanks. 
We're waking up, and with our eyes to the moon, we recall the eternal truth. You are a witch. You are made of magic. It's time to remember. Becoming a witch is an awakening, a remembering, an initiation. It's a chance to come home, come home, come home, because even when you feel like you're lost, you're not. From working with crystals, tarot, and astrology, to solstices and full moons, today's witches are integrating witchcraft and magic into their everyday lives. This is because, as we navigate an incredibly charged cultural and political climate, we're left craving a deep connection to something bigger. And for many women especially, witchcraft is a way to reclaim the divine in each of us, and a path that urges us to find a connection to the natural world, and to listen to how she affects us. So, what is witchcraft? Witchcraft is a nature-based path that worships the earth as the ultimate mother, healer, and goddess. It's also a way to honor and learn about and explore all the beings and energy on this plane, even those that we may not be able to see with the naked eye. Witchcraft is magic, using intention through spells and rituals for a desired outcome. Magic, in our case, is spelled with a K to distinguish our craft from the sleight of hand magic performed by stage magicians stage magicians. It's a path that teaches you to feel the unknown and the unseen. And damn, does it feel good. The witch. A witch is many things. The medicine woman, the slut, the one without children, the activist, the outcast. The witch has always lived and will always live. A witch is a healer, a woman in tune with her sexuality, someone who works with the earth, anyone who abides by her own rules. Very often, witches were the protesters, the catalysts, the ones calling for justice and using all their tools, physical and otherwise, to create change. A witch has always been someone who refuses to abide by the societal constructs of the time. She is an outsider, rooted in her own decisiveness. The witch has always been a threat. Magic. Energy is your best friend. It's always there for you, no matter what. Remember the old saying, energy is neither created nor destroyed? Well, that's true for magic as well. The energy in this universe has always been and will always be. It's the song of life and the kiss of the cosmos. It's not just electricity. It's your thoughts and your feelings, too. It's the secret ingredient and the soul for working magic. Um, so this is like something that I'm sure a lot of you have heard, like white witchcraft and white magic and black witchcraft and black magic. Uh, I don't vibe with that. I think that it's kind of, um, I'm just going to read. I, I wrote about it. So, um, Although some witches will call themselves white witches or say they work with white magic or black magic, you will not see those terms in this book. Magic at its very essence is energy. And energy is neither black nor white, harmful nor helpful, until the witch adds her own two cents and decides what it is. To call something that seems positive white magic and something that appears negative black magic is also inherently wrong. White attracts energy, both good and bad, and black repels energy, both good and bad. Um, also, it's just kind of racist to like say that white is good and black is bad. That's like something I originally like added that and then the publishers, I guess, were like, no. But, um, in like a lot of other countries, the, that kind of like black hats being evil is opposite. Like in Germany, black hats are good luck. So it's definitely like, I just, I don't like when people are like, I'm a white witch, so I don't say that. 
Um, gonna kind of switch gears and talk about our best friend, Karma, because she's that bitch and I love her. So here we go. We all know Karma. She's the one friend who never leaves us alone, who comes over sometimes at the perfect time, like when she randomly lends you that dress you're gonna ask about, and then also manages to find you at the most inconvenient times, like when she needed your help when her dog fell sick and you were on your way to a date. While we love holding grudges against her, she always manages to, see, she always, she always manages to teach us something important, so we can't get too mad. Karma's not a bitch. She's that bitch. If you struggle against her and what she's teaching you, it's only going to get harder. But if you recognize her for what she is, a magnified mirror reflecting back your own stuff, then the rest of the lesson gets easier. Your cosmic team. Time doesn't exist beyond this world. Our loved ones who have died can stay and assist us through our lives in the form of spirit guides, much like the idea of guardian angels. Spirit guides can be your ancestors from this life, or they can be guides from past lives. They can even be figures that you admire and look up to, who inspire you and have taught you in some way. There are also ascended masters. They're like a spirit guide upgrade. They've fully broken free from the cycles of karma and death and rebirth, so they really know what's up. They're there for us in times of intense spiritual and emotional turmoil. While our spirit guides, might, might, while our spirit guides may help us in day-to-day -day life, the ascended masters help us in things that involve the bigger picture of our lives, which are often spiritual in nature. Working, along your, working alongside your spirit guides and masters are your angels. While the idea of angels may have Judeo-Christian connotations, angels are actually non-denominational beings who work to bring us peace and love, the creatures of the universe. They like, they, like our other spirit guides and masters, are simply a call away. Angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters are like a team of cosmic cheerleaders and teachers who are here for you whenever you feel disconnected, alone, anxious, or unsafe. Talk to them. I talk to my guides in the bathroom at work, in my car, and when I'm walking down my street. They are there with you for a reason, and even though it may take a second to learn their language, you can. Ask for signs and invite their help in. Make art for them, decorate an altar, and don't forget to talk to them. Uh, and just a note, angels and beings like that, since we have free will, like they're not just going to come in and do their thing. Like We have to ask for help. So that's why a lot of the time when things get kind of crazy, you can, you're told to like ask your guides for help because they're not, they want to make sure that they're not like intruding on your personal space. So um, I have like one more section to read, but if there's anybody that has a request for a specific section, anything? No? Yeah. Yeah, so like when you're working with candles, you're, you, would, you would use white to like attract and black to repel. It's just like energy, like white and black magic. It's, it's kind of like reductionary to describe it as like positive and negative. It's more of like, um, I would describe it more of like active and receptive almost. Yeah, you're using, so I describe magic as energy plus action plus intention. So like... You can even think of it like when you're um, like lighting a candle for a friend's birthday and then singing them happy birthday. You're physically lighting this thing. You have this intention of singing happy birthday and sending this like loving energy to somebody. And then you're actually singing it and raising the energy and sending it to them. It's like a very simple way to think about magic. So it can be anything like taking time to like light a candle and focus on an intention and raise energy, whether that's through chanting or dancing. Um, 
you can do it. I've done yoga as a way to raise energy, but it's just like an intent, doing something to manifest an intention or doing an action to manifest an intention is how I describe magic. Yeah. Um, so I want to read about my family's relationship to fashion. Um, before I got approached to write this, oh, my mom's going to cry. Hi, my parents are here. Thanks, fam. It's okay. Um, so my background is in fashion and fashion writing. That's like my first love. Um, I've always been a witch, but I thought that I was going to like be a fashion editor. And right before I got approached to write this, I was like, I'm going to write about witchcraft less. There's too many people writing about it. And then the universe had other ideas. So, um, But both of my families are involved in, in fashion, and I feel like a very strong um, connection to them. So I'm going to read about that. Um, and this is in the fashion magic chapter of my book. It's called My Story. So, part of my journey with witchcraft, specifically with fashion magic, is very personal. Fashion and fashion magic are in my blood. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my family's relationship with clothing and textiles. My paternal grandmother, Rose Weiss, survived three years in the concentration camps because of her work as a seamstress. As fate would have it, she had the same name as the head seamstress's niece at Auschwitz, and because she was actually trained in sewing, was able to stay in the seamstress's quarters of the camp, sewing and repairing uniforms for, their Nazis and the fam for the Nazis and their families. She was also able to get work for her sister Edith. She wrote about her experience in a memoir, and from it I learned that her father and uncle owned a fur business. After the war, Rose met, Rose met my grandpa Harry when he was training her in how to load anti-missile cannons for the Haganah, the Jewish paramilitary organization that went on to become the Israel Defense Forces. Apparently, the first thing he ever said to her was, if you don't mind me telling you, soldier, your flies open. <laughs> Before Harry was sent to the camps, which he also endured for three years, he had been, he had been apprenticed in Prague to become a master weaver. On the other side of the family, my maternal great-grandparents escaped Poland before the war and fled to Mexico City, where they started a store that sold things like gloves and tights. Eventually, they started a zipper factory, as well as a family. My background is in fashion writing, and I'm very passionate about using clothes as a way to not only express myself, but to connect with my purpose. As someone who's ethnically Jewish and had more than 70 members of her family in concentration camps, I shouldn't be here yet I still am. I honor this by connecting to my ancestors through what I wear and by incorporating fashion into my magic. I am so thankful to be able to continue that through this book. Um, yeah, so that's, it's definitely like learning more about my family's involvement with fashion and has deepened my own practice, which is, in a, writing this was just such a beautiful way to connect with that. So, um, yeah, any. Any questions? Anything? I can keep reading. What's up? I noticed like with the candles and candles you gave, like insidious and beauty candles, it kind of like beckoned in a lot of like the holidays and things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean also like on Fridays you do Shabbat, which is the day of rest and the holy day and for me, I use I love Fridays because they're ruled by Venus, which is the goddess and planet of glamour and beauty and love. Um, but that's like for me, that's like a personal favorite day, and I've always kind of do spells on Fridays unintentionally. After and then I was like, oh, it's same day as Shabbat. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think a lot of these practices kind of overlap. I mean, like, yeah, like lighting candles, you know, eating food, ooh, eating food after services, like after a ritual, a lot of time you'll kind of like share food with people and eat. And it's, I mean, every religion has its own rituals that it does to kind of like focus energy. And that's kind of the same thing. Obviously, like, you know, the Jewish prayers are different, but there's always, I mean, look at Catholicism. They like cleanse with herbs and do all these like crazy rituals and then still condemn witches, so, you know. But um, yeah, there's there's overlaps. And I mean, when you're studying, like even with like different cult studies, there's overlaps with Judaism too. But yeah, what's up? Um, how, does, how does your um, practice tie into that? Like, what yeah. Is, what is specific? Um, so I have always been, I've, as a twin, as an Aquarius, I feel like I've always just taken a lot of joy in being my own human. And that for me, creative self-expression is magic, is glamour. Like we all know the term glamour as like being glamorous and looking really beautiful and fabulous. But in truth, glamour is a veil that conceals what's beneath it. So like back in the old days where people were actually scared of fairies, the idea of a glamour meant something very different. The glamour was like when a a fairy would come and switch your baby with a fairy baby and then put a glamour on it so you wouldn't know it's a fairy and you'd think it's your baby. And that's a changeling. There's, you know, there's kind of that veil where it's trick, a trick. Um, so for me, that's very similar as for fashion. Like, I don't naturally look like this. I do this as a way to, first off, focus my energy, focus on the way that I want other people to see me and I want to see myself. Um, so, like, even just the ritual of getting ready is kind of, like, shifting the the energy that I move through like the rest of the day but I mean we can't you can't not live your life in clothing you know you have to wear clothing unfortunately but for most of us unless we're nudists <laughs> like we you know so it's there's different ways every color has in a different association I will put my clothing on my altar um, and then put crystals on it if I want to infuse it with certain things I'll literally just hold my clothing in my hand and imagine a white light moving through it and do like a simple clothing spell. Um, and then I'll match my clothing to like the, where the moon is in. So right now she's, I think she's in Sagittarius, which is a fire sign and she's a waxing crescent. So it's like, I would, I don't know. I didn't match my outfit today for the moon, but I'll like pull a tarot card and match my outfit to that. But for me, glamour is like a radical reclamation of how I want to be seen, like doing what I want to do and being seen how I want to be seen regardless of society and men who catcall, which happened to me like a million times yesterday. Um, but it's also a way for me to connect to the divine feminine. Um, I work a lot with the goddess Venus, who's rules over Friday and sex, love, beauty, and glamour. And for me, like embodying her through what I wear, whether that's pink eyeshadow or like a red dress or just like wearing rose perfume is like, like a little thing that I can do to take my magic with me throughout my day, which is my main my main thing with fashion magic it's something that I can carry with me it's not just like I'm lighting a candle it's like I'm living my life in this clothing so if I add an, an element of like intention to this and it's just going to kind of carry me throughout throughout what I'm doing the rest of the day that was a very long winded answer does that make sense thanks okay you got a question No, which is gender neutral. Men can be witches. My, for me, like a lot, which is, 
yeah, no, which exists beyond any binary, in my opinion. It's just like an energy, and if you feel called to call yourself that, then you totally can. Um, my thing is, um, a lot of the people who were accused of witchcraft, who off 90% of the time, 95, I don't, I don't know statistics, I'm making these up, but most of the time they weren't actually witches, they were just people that didn't, did stuff that the church didn't like, but a lot of the time they were women, historically. Um, and I, a lot of us, I think, are attracted to witchcraft because there's a really big emphasis on working with the earth, which we personify as a more feminine energy, which, again, doesn't necessarily exist on the binary. I think of feminine energy as more like receptive and masculine energy is more active. Same thing as yin and yang. Um, but there's a really big emphasis on kind of that, like, the divine feminine on goddess, on working with the earth and her cycles. And even, like, the moon is personified a lot as feminine and those of us who bleed have the same 28-day cycles as the moon, so you don't have to be a witch. You don't have to be a woman or femme to be a witch, but it's it helps. It helps, yeah. <laughs> it helps, and that's why a lot of us, I think, are kind of reclaiming this title. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really excited, um, and I feel like witches are like feminists on steroids. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Love that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you are like on a path to be a Zen master, mm -hmm. you're examining energy and you're not judging it mm -hmm. and you're not correcting it. But I sort of like the idea from I gather what you're saying is that it's not really a binary where it's bad or good, but in an essence you are the um Rosario, you are shifting the mm -hmm. Yeah, you're using your you're using your own energy for to to make changes on the physical and energetic realms. And I mean, like anything, you can wield that for a more negative purpose. But that's that's the purse that's like the lens through which the magic is seen, right? Like if the magic is just like a white light, then we're gonna be seeing it through different colored glasses. It's not gonna be colored. So like, yeah, you're an if you're a witch, you're an agent of karma. You're an agent of change. Like that's just a responsibility you have to take on. And like. That's why if you're just, you know, witchcraft is trendy right now. There's always going to be, it's always, it, witchcraft, occultism, it always comes into the mainstream when there's crazy stuff going on politically. There's always that kind of counterculture. So it's not new, but you have to, if you're calling yourself a witch, there's a responsibility that comes with that, you know, and if you're going to be doing negative stuff and hurting other people, then you know it's going to come back to you in some shape or form, but I, yeah, you can be intentional and use it as a, as a way to add enrich lives. So I was thinking it as, as a way of being assertive of your female self, but I like what you're saying. If you're an agent of karma, how do you listen for that deeper purpose? How do you master that listening? Ooh, so she's, I, she's asking how to master listening and like listening to your own self. Um, through mindful practices, through yoga, through meditation, through journaling, through breath work. I mean, it's like anything. It's, you know, any kind of spiritual path you take, you're going to need time for solitude and for inner listening, which I think is a big part of this. That's where the magic happens. I mean, when you're enacting, when you're using energy in this way, you're kind of going into like a different, an altered state of mind where your subconscious is, your magic isn't, isn't happening on our conscious mind. It's happening in our subconscious mind. And that's something that you can't access first off, usually in like a normal waking state, but um, yeah, through like, there's, everybody's is going to be different. So for me, I love yoga. I love 
meditating and I work with, um, my tarot is a big part of kind of introspective work with my writing. Um, for some people it might be music, for some people it might be making art, but anything that kind of quiets your mind and gets you back into your body, um, because our bodies, our bodies know stuff, you know, like you feel when it's wrong, so. Then maybe you have some work to do. You don't have to like her, but you can acknowledge it and, you know, like see it as an opportunity to shift the way you are. Because karma's not, we have free will. Like things are, I think there are moments that are predestined, but at the end of the day, like we're the ones, nothing is set in stone, right? So if we don't like something, that means we have the opportunity to change it. So I just think that's an invitation to like do some inner work or like we're not, you know, everybody has, we're allowed help, so you know, going to a teacher, going to a guide, going to therapy, all those kind of things are helpful. Any other questions? Oh, he has a question then. Ooh, like, like talismans or like just no, generally? Oh, oh, like personally, just generally. Um, one of the things I am always kind of learning is how to create something I can do every day because it's hard when you're like young and on the go and like want to not be, you know, have like a super intense schedule all the time. But um, for me, besides working with fashion, like I said, I work with tarot a lot. Um, and although like I do readings for other people, it's, for me it's mostly of a tool of introspection, like learning the cards, taking the time to sit and be with myself. I'll journal on them, and then I'll usually set, like, an intention and do some gratitude journaling after that. Like, that's my personal practice. Um, there's so many different ways to have something you take every day. Um, you can use mala beads or different, like, prayer beads and work with those with different affirmations or mantras. I have, like, affirma affirmations I work with regularly, which obviously that's not, like, a tangible thing, but it's something that's you can take with you. Um, Talismans are another thing that you can work with with fashion magic, which is just which is just a charged object you can carry with you. Um, it can be a necklace, it can be like a pressed penny from the pier, just anything that has kind of like a, a meaning, a connection that you have a connection with. Um, what other things? I work with candles. That's a big part of my own practice. You can work with herbs. Cooking is a way to work with magic. Like I feel like it's. The way that I describe being a witch isn't like something I do. It's not just like when I light a candle and do a ritual, it's the lens in which I view things. So it's like interacting with people when I'm like talking to someone, holding space for them, like being intentional of like where the moon and the sun are and like astrology, it's kind of like, it, col ooh, it colors everything. So it's like, there's, yeah, I, there's a lot of other stuff. And that's why, that's why I wrote my book because there's, you know, there's something for, you can, Work with magic no matter your interests, you know? You don't have to be, like, super woo-woo to, like, work with it. Although that might help. I don't know. <laughs> I'm super woo-woo, so I have... I don't know what, what's not super woo-woo. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. When did you discover these powers, and how did that show itself to you? Yeah. Um... So my dad's a rabbi. My mom has always been, like, very new agey. So since I was little, I've kind of... I don't remember a time where I wasn't really interested in, like, the unseen. Um, well, I think, like, looking back, the first time that I felt magic or I felt, like, 
something deeper was when we were living in New York. Um, we lived in Buffalo, New York. We moved from LA to Buffalo, New York, which is just mean. <laughs> Honestly. But Buffalo was like, it was the first time I really connected with nature in this way. Like I remember we had a creek in our backyard and like half an acre of woods and we'd have these deer that would come and like, I just remember the days I spent exploring nature. I was just like, I just felt different. Um, and now I'm like, oh, that was like connecting to this, this other kind of unseen realm. Um, and then when I was in sixth grade, so I was 11, I got a deck of fairy oracle cards and fell madly in love and then got a book on witchcraft and fairies and was transported to when I went to Salem three years ago with my aunt and my sister and my grandma for Halloween. And Halloween's like the witch's new year. It's like our fucking day. It's the best. And Salem on Halloween is just like nuts. So I remember going to the witchcraft museum and like having them read to me or like having, ooh, having these wax figures like talk to me about witchcraft and then we saw a ritual and I ate a pomegranate and when I was reading this book on witchcraft like a few years later it just kind of clicked and I it was right before my bat mitzvah and I like remember reading this and just being like it felt like coming home it just felt like recognizing something that I hadn't had a language for um and then yeah I I was like I'm a witch and my parents apparently don't remember me telling them that but I never outgrew it, so here I am. It's been a journey. Um, and then in college, I kind of started experimenting with fashion and magic, and I did a series of tarot-inspired outfits on my fashion blog, and it's just taken off since then. The universe has done her thing, so, yeah. Oh my God, yes, a thousand percent. I feel like this, like writing this is like, I, so I, I wrote this in 2017 from like June until December. So it's been almost a year since I've like written it. So even just like looking back on it, I have this like kind of weird like connection with it and like not connection, but I was like, I feel like there's so much distance because it's just coming out here, but it's, t I mean, I had to write about stuff that was not like that I hadn't worked with, but stuff that hadn't been a part of my personal practice for a long time because I was kind of coming back to this like thing that I've been doing for the past 10 or 12 years and like seeing it from more of like a, you know, like somebody, like what would I need to know if I didn't know anything? So just from that, like kind of having to teach people things, you just learn, you know, you like, it just teaches you. Um, and it helped, definitely helped me deepen my practice because I was kind of like, getting even, you know, deeper into things that I hadn't explored in a long time. Um, and it just, I feel like it's just its own entity and it just keeps teaching me. It's taught me a lot about receiving. Like we're not really taught how to like receive as like an active thing. Like how many of us, when we get compliments, reject them or like make excuses instead of being like, thank you. And really like accepting it. It's hard. And, um, like receiving like the love for this book, just being open to that has been like, a big part of the lessons she's taught me so it definitely has it's definitely like leveled me up I guess thanks anybody else yeah oh I love that that aren't or are 
taking time to just like be by yourself, taking a salt bath. If you can take a salt bath, baths, salt's the smallest, one of the smallest natural crystals and it absorbs excess energy. Plus it's just really good for your muscles to take like an Epsom salt bath. That's one of my favorite practices when I just like am sick of the world and need to be by myself, running an Epsom salt bath, maybe putting candles. You can work with different herbs like lavender. Um, taking time to just like take a deep breath in and like ask yourself what you need. Um, I'm really Aquarius, very air sign. So I'm, I'm always thinking and I'm always in my head and like I had to train myself to breathe and like take deep breaths. I literally set like alarms on my phone to remind me to breathe. So if you don't do that. That's helpful. Um, anything that's going to like move your mind and slow down or move your body and slow down your mind. I really like yoga. That's obviously not for everybody. Um, meditation, you don't even have to meditate for more than like five minutes at a time, but just taking that time to like center yourself and check in with yourself, I think is super valuable. Um, journaling, you can even just having like one candle, like yeah, if whites, like universally a good candle to use for anything you can use a white candle for like manifesting for banishing for health for whatever uh, and it's really good to just for like positive energy so just having one candle and like having like five minutes a day where you light it and you just sit with it and like you can gaze at the flame or you can meditate and focusing and intention on that is like its own practice but anything that's going to get you like in touch with where you are and that's going to help you like move into the world more powerful and more grounded because you know, like you're not until you're like grounded and in your own power, you're not going to be as, you know, powerful and, and energetically like shaping the world around you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? No? Okay. Should I, do you guys want me to read something else? Any suggestions? Okay. Let's see. So we can do about energy, tarot, fashion magic. Um, what's up? I think most of us do. I mean, I think it's not a some like again, it's a responsibility, and it's not just like a trend. You, can, you know, you can't you can be like I'm a witch, and then like not be a witch again. But that's just like not cool. Like. I think if you're called to learn more about this, then you then that seed is planted and you just have to water it. But I think all of us have the seeds. I mean, I um, actually, maybe I'll read. I think there's a thing on reincarnation in here. Um, I definitely believe in, in that. And I think that a lot of us have wisdom that we've carried with us throughout lives. And witchcraft is just one way of unlocking that. But not everybody, you know, like when you're, when you're working with this kind of stuff, you see that like everything is powerful and it's just, it's, it like, I don't know. For me, it's like, I can't take things as casually as if I didn't believe in any of this. So it definitely, again, it's a responsibility, but, um, if you're being called to it, I think, yeah, you definitely have it in you. Um, let's see. I don't even remember. What, okay. This is the wrong chapter. Sorry guys. I don't even know my book apparently. Um, see okay we can do the aura stuff about chakras sacred space tarot i do i have stuff about reincarnation i thought i did oh life after okay um okay cool 
So I'm going to read more about, we'll do a little bit more about karma and then reincarnation. Um, just as Newton's third law of motion states that for every action, there's also an equal and op opposite reaction, karma says the same thing. Except in our case, this means that the energy you put out in the universe at a spiritual, emotional, mental, or physical level will come back to you in some way. Positive inspires more positive, and negative inspires more negative. Karma is, karma is just, though, though we may not always see it. Karma can take generations to heal or generations to wound. We have personal karma, how we act and live in this life generational karma, the karma of our families, and our cultural karma, the karma of our region or society. These all interplay in different ways in our lives and carry over from past lives too. Life after life. Each witch will have her own beliefs about death, the afterlife, and heaven, which is known as the Summerland in some neo-pagan traditions and Nirvana in some Eastern traditions. This is a notion that will probably evolve along with your practice of the craft, with there being no single right answer to the question of life after death. Personally, I believe in reincarnation or the idea that the soul is reborn life after life. Karma is reincarnation over time. We are born as many times as we need to be until our souls become as pure and close to our true essence and the universe's essence as possible. A belief in reincarnation is common among witches, however, it's not universal, and not believing in reincarnation doesn't make you wrong. Um, personally, yeah, I think that you, like, pick stuff, but I know, like, pick your life and family, but there's a lot of layers to that, because that's, you know, people don't deserve to live in poverty. It's, it's another conversation, but um, let's see, what else? Any other questions? I was approached. I like so I'd had my call actually my column on nylon is going to be celebrating like 2 years in November, which is just weird to me. Um so I've been writing that for about probably like 6 months and I'd been writing for broadly on witchcraft and one of the questions I always get for my column is what are your books that you recommend? Like I don't know where to start. And I was like on my way to work, I was working at Hello Giggles and was like got that question. I was like, "Damn, I could write this book." And then like literally I got a DM on Twitter from an editor who was like, hey, do you want to write a book about witchcraft? And I was like, okay. And I like, did. So it was really, it was crazy. It was like the most, yeah, it was the most um, insane DM I've ever gotten on Twitter. So, so when, you, when you received that message and you sat down to, to write, yeah. did they, I mean, I'm just curious, how did you keep it organized? Yeah. Um, it so I've, since I had this column, which is like a witch 101 column, I'd already had, first off, I'd already had an idea of like things that witches, like people wanted to know. And I already had like a bunch of stuff that I'd covered. Um, and then they approached me to write it. And she was like, you know, like we want to talk about like astrology and tarot. And like, they really left it up to me. There was like a few main points, but I like was how to write a proposal. And I just kind of I don't know, it just, yeah, it came, it just, it just happened. I was like, I don't want to do fashion magic. I know I need to talk about energies and, like, the archetype of the witch and her holidays. Like, I work a lot by the phases of the moon. Um, so I knew I wanted to include the moon and then crystals, astrology, tarot. It just kind of, yeah, it was, it definitely happened very organically. I feel like I, like, was it was it's weird because I I feel like there was a few months I was writing this book while working full-time and there was a few months where I was just like very stressed and overwhelmed but most of the time I just like really loved writing it and was just stressed because I had to do other work while writing it um but it wasn't like 
a struggle to write, which is kind of why it's like hard to receive the love for it because it wasn't this like labor of like so difficult and like I was like pining over it. It just like it happened. It was I loved writing. It was very fun. So yeah. Somebody else have a question? What's up? Worship Satan. Yeah, I mean, we definitely do spells. I don't think I know what she doesn't work with spells. Spells are just like working with magic. It's just a specific way of working with magic. Like a lot, I, I think every ritual, like I think rituals are things that we can do repeatedly to connect with something whether that's staging a room every morning or like for me like creating a sacred space and then like working with a spell in that context but like spells are little rituals unto themselves but not every ritual includes a spell but most of us will work with spells we'll use our energy and to send to specific intention by working with magic um and again it doesn't like I wish I had like a wand and I could just be like solve all my problems but it doesn't you know it doesn't work that way there's you know, witchcraft is, like, one part of, like, you know, the cult world, and there's just so much different symbolism and things that, I don't, I don't know, that's totally unrelated, but, yes, we cast spells, and, yeah, yes, Dad. <laughs> you know, the, the question you ask is intriguing, because when people say spell, they're usually associated with kind of, you know, kind of airy-fairy, or whatever you want to call it, but the reality Mm -hmm. They are asking God, you know, to whom it may concern, give me this or give me that, give me to go to health, uh, make sure that I'm safe, and so on and so forth. That is a kind of spell, whether we like to admit it or not. Mm -hmm. Now, there, there are different kinds of prayers. One that's recognizing the, uh, you know, the greatness of the divinity or whatever, and thanking divinity, but it sounds like it's all, it's all there with a different yeah yeah exactly I mean I just I always think it's so ironic that like the Catholic Church persecuted which is so much when they're like so mystical and so ritualistic and like do these weird things like eat the body of Christ like okay you're witches too we see you like um but yeah I think you know again like that there's so much still stigma and so much like misunderstanding and so much cultural conditioning around the idea of witchcraft and of spells and magic that like that might be like for a lot of us kind of um a turnoff but I mean I I think spells are dope like I've I've never not wanted to be a witch so I don't know yes what was my intention for writing this book to help people find their own magic because it looks different to everybody like I know that not everybody's gonna give a crap about fashion like Sorry for cursing, Mom. Uh, I do have the word, I do have the word bitchin in my book, though. Just want to say, witchin and bitchin. Um, wait, what was the question? I don't even remember. She, what, Mom? What was your intention? Oh, my intention. To, yeah, to, like, help people connect to something that gives them some kind of purpose or, like, that empowers them to, like, see the world in a way that they feel better about like magic is a lot of things it's a relationship and it's you know it is this kind of own being but it's also fun like 
I think spells are fun. I think magic is fun. I think like taking care of myself in this like weird spiritual woo woo way is fun. Um, but I just want, yeah, I just want people to find a connection to a part of themselves that they might not know is there, or forgotten it's there, or, or just not know, yeah, not known it's there. So. I have to put the magic into the meter. I'll be right okay. back. Okay. Uh, what's up? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. So I think that's, I feel like I was just thinking about, oh, it was, um, so one of the people I write for is Chakrabs, which are crystal sex toys. And like, I was listening to a podcast with Vanessa and she's like, one of the first things you have to do when you're starting to work with these crystals is like, give yourself permission to feel kind of weird and uncomfortable and awkward. And like, I think that's kind of important, like, especially if you've never really worked with energy or, like, done any kind of ritual, and if you've been condi- if you've been told about, like, you know, grew up in a household that has, shel- not sheltered, but, like, not really taught you about that, or, like, if Christian or, you know, any kind of patriarchal religion, you're already going to have these, like, preconceived notions. First, first off, just being, like, I might feel kind of weird, um, and then just, again, like, doing practices that help you, like, feel things, because, it is hard to distinguish between anxiety and intuition. And that's something that is, it just takes time to learn. Like I don't have one single answer except being really making an effort to be present. But like, you know, I think that I personally believe if things scare me, then I have to do it. But like also I'm really scared of like heights and I'm not going to jump out of a plane. So, you know, like you don't have, you. it's baby steps, you know, like you don't have to go into it and be totally uncomfortable. You can you be like, okay, like, this is something that is bringing something up and I'm just going to stay with it for a little bit and really just like be present in that and like give yourself time because there's no rush. Like you have the rest of your life to be a witch. We have the rest of our lives for any kind of journey. Like I remember being in yoga and having them tell us that like there's no, there's no timeline and you know, it's important to kind of like, I do think that any kind of work like this is going to, you're going to push past your comfort zone, but like if you're worrying more about like being scared in like a practice or like in a ritual or in magic, then like you need to, you know, maybe take a step back. Cause you should be able to be present and like it, it should feel good. So if it doesn't feel good, then like, you know, don't rush it, but taking baby steps, I don't think there's, yeah, there's not a, a timeline. Does that answer your question a little yeah, bit? Totally. Okay. Yay. Anybody else? Yes. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks Lara. Okay, so first off, if you have, like, a specific intention, that can be helpful. Um, so whether it's just, like, to celebrate, like, the changing seasons, if you want a protection altar, if you want abundance, like, all those things are kind of to keep in mind. Um, there's, like, different things about where you should put your altar and where you shouldn't, but my answer is, like, 
do it where you have space and where it's going to be convenient and somewhere that you like are going to want to go to, you know, like you're not going to want to put your altar in like a little corner where like you're not going to want to go, but also you're not going to want to put it in the middle of like where you're going to be walking into. Um, and it doesn't have to be big. It can be like a little, like in college, I had mine on a bookshelf. I've had mine on a dresser. Um, so just picking a spot that like feels right. I, you know, you could go by the directions, but that's, it's kind of hard to do when you're in LA and you have limited space, man. Like, got to do what you can. Um, I would put any, like, talismans. So candle, uh, I love putting candles on altars, especially if you have, like, a specific intention. So, like, if you're doing the changing of seasons, you could put gold or any colors of fall, um, green for abundance, um, black and white for protection and getting rid of negative energy. Any kind of flowers is a really good idea. Anything that you can, like, leave as an offering, so honey or sweets, if that's like a part of the, if you're working with specific energies, but um, candles, photos of loved ones, or just photos that like match your intention, um, crystals that match that, you can like find things, like I have like little items from my grandma and my grandpa, I have like jewelry that belonged to them, um, like talismans that you get, anything that you like, your altar is just like a place to focus your intention and your energy and just should make you feel good. So like, you know, it can be like something from work that you like or like a photo of your family or a photo of like you and you guys together. Um, but anything that just like you go there and you're like, this is right, should be there. Like beauty is, I, I don't know, I want as much beauty in my life as possible. I like looking at beautiful things. So anything that makes you like happy and feel good. I suggest. And I can give you more like personalized recs later too. Yeah. Anybody else? No? Okay. So um so what do you do with that bad energy that you don't that you're not attracted to but it's present? Do you change it? Um I would try to clear it away instead of actually like when you're changing it. It's like so for me, like, if I had, I'm going to use, like, a person as an example. So if there's, like, a person that, like, I want to cut out of my life, like, you could hex them or, like, send energy back into them. But then you're only, like, adding more energy to this energy that's there. My suggestion is always to try to, like, cut it out. So you can use sacred herbs. Um, white sage is over-harvested right now, so I don't recommend buying it um, unless it's from somewhere you know it's ethically grown but you can use desert sage you can use mugwort you can use sweet grass you can use rosemary like there's all these different herbs that you can burn to kind of help clear away the energy um, you can work with black crystals like tourmaline um, obsidian um, or onyx and that helps absorb energy and kind of like redirect anything and then sprinkling salt in corners there's different rituals you can do and also just asking like if it's just energy like that, like you can ask any like beings that you work with that are in 100% light to help you kind of clear away any energy. Um, and then if it's a person, what I would do is I would bind them. So that's pretty much just like, I imagine it as like putting an energetic lasso around somebody, like one, like literally like I imagine like Wonder Woman's like lasso and like that containing them far away from me. So like their energy doesn't even like mess up, like match with mine. And I have a spell for that in the book. Um, you can also write somebody's name and put it in the freezer and that puts them like in like the void. So that just kind of, it's not as it's no, it's literally just a way of like, if you don't want somebody to talk to you, it's like an, it's like an energetic block button. It's not going to hurt them. It's just going to like, 
protect your energy before like you're trying to mess with theirs. Um, that's always my suggestion. But like also when people are hurting other people, like I think magic needs to be worked on a case by case basis. If there's somebody who's like really going to harm a bunch of people, then like that might not be enough and that you might need to do some kind of like mirroring where you're sending back any negative energy that they're sending at you. Um, and there's different visualizations that you can do to kind of help that too. I like imagining like a giant mirrored orb around me that any negative energies reflected back and then all only the good can move through. That's kind of pretty to think about. And I, I use that when I need some like major protection. Oh my, we were just talking about psychicness. Um, I definitely have a very strong intuition and I feel like when you're working with energy and magic, like as a witch, you're naturally just gonna, you're connecting to your intuition in a deeper way and you're naturally gonna grow that, um, that gift. Some people are born way more psychic than others. Like I don't consider, I think I'm very intuitive and, but I wouldn't say I'm a psychic personally, but that might change and I'm sure down the road it'll it'll change too but yeah I think most witches have some kind of psychic knowing or they wouldn't be doing this work anything else yes hmm. oh I love that question what's the most valuable part of bringing magic into your life I think a sense of like empowerment it's like magic like if you've been on the internet and you've seen all the internet witches being angry about the sephora witch kit which is just this thing sephora was going to sell like white sage and advertise it as a witch kit and it's just made a lot of us like roll our eyes um the thing is you don't need anything to do magic like it's cool to have candles it's cool to have tarot cards but like just like having a million bottles of paint won't make you a painter it's kind of the same so for me magic it's like it's like another set of rules that nobody can take away from me. Like I can literally cast a spell with like my mind and like a stick I found outside and like that's it, you know? Like it's, first off it's fun and it's empowering and I think it just allows us to navigate this world feeling more in control and more of like we know who we are and we know our power. Um, and it's just fun, yeah. If that answered your question. Yeah. Anybody? Um, We're out there. We just a lot of us are in the broom closet. <laughs> it's literally called. It's called. Yeah, it's like when you come out as a witch, you're coming out of the broom closet. It's a thing. Honestly, yes. Like all of them. On. I just feel like I'm always. I've always had like a small group of really close friends and not a big group of friends because I'm just like. I'm one of those people, like, I like having very, like, I'm picky, and I like having, like, personal connections to people, and I would say, like, all the people I consider, like, my my best friends are witches, and some of them just wouldn't necessarily use that terminology, but, you know, are still witches, but yeah, definitely, like, especially here, it's just, it's really wild. I never, like, as, like, a little 11-year-old who, like, felt very alone in Johns Creek, Georgia as, like, a witch, like, the fact that like I have a community of witches here is still like mind blowing, but most of them, most of my friends are witches, yes. But I don't, I don't know if I don't think that's the norm necessarily. Yeah. How uh, was it 
Well, I remember telling, I thought I told him in the car after a month-long sleepaway camp, uh, Jewish sleepaway camp. Apparently, I don't remember that. Um, honestly, I remember, so I started writing about witchcraft on my then fashion blog, Breathing Fashion, like four or five years ago. And I, I wrote a piece called Why I Chose Witchcraft. And I remember my dad calling me. Um, I was at my friend's house, and he's like, listen, like, I really like what you wrote, but you just, like, need people to, like, not think you're a Satanist, like, his work, his, and honestly, also, just, like, we really are scared of Satanists, like, Satanism is just, like, do what you want, honor thyself, and, like, be a good person, so it's, that's also very misunderstood, but his worry was that I was going to be perceived wrong or impact me professionally, but he's always been, I've, I've never felt like, he hasn't been really understanding. I mean, I also understand that, like, as a six, like 12-year-old being like, I'm a witch, like, that doesn't really seem like, like, I get why they thought it was a phase. Um, and for my mom, I know it's like, you know, our cultural un understanding of what the witch is is going to shape our, our understanding of who she is. And growing up in Mexico, where there's this totally different connotation to, to witchcraft, where it's darker and it's not, you know, the love and light that so we often see in this kind of like United States culture of witchcraft. Um, it was harder for her. I get it. I mean, she had a totally different upbringing in a space where there's all this really intense karmic connections to witchcraft that weren't, that are heavy. So, um, but no, they've been really, this book I think was like, they're like, okay, we get it. Like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a witch. So yeah, but he's, I don't know. I'm sure he'll, we'll talk about that later, but he seems, he's been really, they've both been really understanding about it, which is dope, so thanks, Mom and Dad. You've always been a very spiritual person from the time that you could speak, and there was no way that we would in any way inhibit that. Yeah. So I called you my little pig. I didn't know that. I've never heard that. I remember not being able to buy words. I didn't. I wasn't allowed to buy books with the word witch in the title. So this is this is fun. <laughs> you don't. I remember. I remember like uh, anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So anybody else have any questions? Might not know what to do. I would do like picking one thing that you can do every day or more days than not, whether it's like, again, meditating, um, lighting a candle and focusing on intention, smudging with sacred herbs, like anything that's going to get you like connected to yourself. Because witchcraft, like that's the main thing. It's connection to the earth and connection to yourself. So any kind of mindfulness practice, um, spending time in nature is a big one. Um, we work a lot with the cycles of the earth and the moon and then our, how that's reflected in ourselves. Um, so I would say, like, get a calendar and learn when the solstices, the equinoxes, the days between are. Um, do something that cultivates a state of mindfulness and connection to your inner self. And then also, like, learning about um, the phases of the moon is a really easy way to start connecting your own energy to that of something bigger. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, they do get married. There's a special ceremony called hand fasting where you like, you hold somebody's hand and you're like bound with rope and yeah, it's like a special kind of ritual, but we do. Yes. No, it's like anything else, but. But would that be something that would be for you something that you would do 
Oh, I'm not thinking. Me? Oh, I mean, yeah, but I'm also just not thinking about marriage yet. So we'll see what happens when we get there. Um. <laughs> yes. Ooh, that's a, I, so, for me, it depends. Um, I love the spa, the app Insight Timer. It has a bunch of different meditations. I know there's a lot on Spotify. I will work with crystals and just literally, like, breathe in gold energy and exhale negative energy and then repeat a mantra to myself, um, which the Hood Witch actually wrote. She has great meditations on her site. Um, and you can also do it with each chakra. So, like, um, each, the energy centers of the body are called chakras. They live along our spine. Um, and that, you know, there's, it's a Hindu tradition, it's a part of their practice, but it's, you know, everybody believes in energy centers in a different way. So I'll, um, this is actually meditation in the book, but I'll meditate on each chakra and imagine like that color that corresponds with it, to, like clear and center. Um, I'll use, I'll do like a lot of heart opening, heart opening meditations. Um, I'll just look on insight timer and just like see what I need in that moment. Um, and then, like, at the beginning of the week, each week, I'll take some time and kind of, like, check in with myself and set intentions, and then I'll decide usually on that, and kind of, sometimes I'll have, like, a week where I'm doing, like, just loving kindness meditations and, like, sending out gratitude to people through meta meditation like that, but um, it just depends. There's a lot. Anything, like, because for me, it's really hard to just, like, sit and breathe. Like, I'll do that, but kind of having a little bit more of a container for me to, like, explore that helps. I would, if you haven't already set an up set up an altar dedicated to her having like a place where like you're literally creating like a, a container to honor her and specifically her like having a photo having a candle that you can light and like I mean again like our ancestors our family like time first off doesn't exist I don't believe in it in general but like beyond this life especially like it's not the same so those who we've connected with who have passed on whether they be family or not like they're able to stay with us if we need them as guides and your grandma's probably if you feel this connection with her she's definitely 
probably one of your guides. I would definitely create an altar to her. Um, if there's like any of her favorite flowers or foods or like anything that you did together that you, that even just reminds you of her, you can put it there um, and having a photo and just like taking time, you know, each day or each week to sit down and just like meditate and talk to her or journal to her. You know, you can write her letters, but just like taking a step to connect with that spirit. Like, again, like you just said, like you got intuitively knew to ask this question, like those kind of hits are going to come to you, especially if you continue to like deepen that connection. Um, you can also ask for her, you can burn mugwort and then before you fall, before you fall asleep and ask her for like messages or to connect with her in dreams. Um, I, you know, like I really enjoy making art for people or beings I'm connecting with. You can do that if that's something that speaks to you or like whatever your passion is. Um, and if there's any like jewelry that she has or anything that you have of hers, you can either like literally carry it or work with it or place it on your altar. But I think having like a dedicated space, even if it's just like a photo and like a couple, like a little tiny candle, um, would also just like cute that, that that the universe like okay like he's ready to connect with his like ancestral magic that's that's a big part of i mean we come from our ancestors you know um yeah, yeah does it answer your question no problem yay yay glad to hear it You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.